welcome to the Untitled Podcast, a place where labels are eliminated and individuality is embraced. Every other week, I invite friends and mentors to discuss how to conquer stereotypes, eliminate labels, and embrace our story. I am your host, Allison, and I am Untitled. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, Deanna Opine. Deanna is a good friend of mine. Um, We actually met while leading another nonprofit organization here in the Austin, Texas area. Um, So blessed to have met her there. Dee is also one of our governing board members here at the Untitled um, Media Group. What I love most about Dee is that she's just a friend that loves you, loves really hard. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, I can go to Dee with just about anything. And, you know, if she ever feels the need of correction, um, she does it from a, a, a good place, a loving heart. Um, and to be quite honest, it's really hard to find friends that these days that will do that for you. Um, so I'm just appreciative for her friendship. So now I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Dee. Dee is an encourager of women, a truth teller, a wordsmith, a fashion and makeup guru, a Bible nerd, and all are all accurate descriptions to describe Deanna. A native Austinite, Deanna started her career in makeup working for Smashbox Cosmetics um, as a lead makeup artist. From there, she had gone to managing high-end retail boutiques and is now the director of client services at Image Consultant for Something More LLC. Although Deanna has a passion for fashion, her true calling is being a daughter of God and encouraging sisters in the kingdom to walk out their God-given purpose. Throughout the Bible, God used women to birth reformation, revolutions, and revelations. Deanna's calling in ministry is to birth a union similar to this to continue God's work by bringing healing, identity, and building unity. Deanna attended Texas State University and is currently enrolled in the seminary at Austin Graduate School of Theology. Today, Dee and I are going to discuss racial discrimination. I am aware that this is a heavy topic these days. There is no way we're going to be able to discuss every angle, but my hope is that this message enlightens and encourages those that face such acts and how to continue who God's created you to be and how to find a way to correct those acts of discrimination through love. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, welcome everybody. Thank you guys for joining us for today's episode. Um, today, as I mentioned, we have Dana Opheim um, discussing our a topic with us today. Um, it's a pretty racy one for sure. You get it, racy? Pun. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Nope. I think I didn't put, intend that pun though. You get it? That you was, did? Okay. That was funny. That's clever. It's a racy one. Um, we're actually going to discuss racial discrimination. Um, I think the world we live in today deals with this on so many levels, um, in so many different facets. And so obviously with our episode, we're going to try to cover as much as possible. It will be a little bit more women focused. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to have Deanna kind of give you some context of who she is and her background, and then we'll get into a little bit more of the discussion. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Deanna Opheim. I, um grew up here in Austin, Texas. I have a really amazing upbringing. I was raised by my black father and my white mother, who are, um, who they actually, uh, their, their relationship was racy um, <laughs> in their times. They had to um, deal with a lot of dis- discrimination. Um, my, my white Um, grandparents were not okay with my mom marrying a black man so there was some 
um, estranged relationships on yeah. her side. So that's just, um, so that's my parents. So all this to say is I'm biracial. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home here. I was homeschooled, so I did not experience public school, um, but I did experience um, sports and social, um, you know, social things where I was around other kids. I wasn't Mm -hmm. completely um, sheltered. Um, I was very heavily involved in church. We're a Christian um, household. Um, So yeah, I, that's my upbringing. I attended uh, Texas State where that's where I kind of was opened up to a different world and Mm -hmm. and saw uh, things were a little bit different than homeschool and church and soccer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, that's the beginning of my story and a cool. little bit of background to yeah. who I am. I appreciate you sharing. I want to, um, I don't do this for every episode, but I want to share just some statistics. This is from a website called Catalyst.org. Um, and it basically, this was as of November of 2018, and it just talks about um, statistics of all women of color. And so... Um, Let's just kind of look at this. So labor force statistics, um, there is 33.2% of an increase in Hispanic women in the labor force, 28.1% increase in Asian women, 108 increase in black women, and only 5% increase in white women. Um, let's talk pay gap. So I think this one is huge, really mm-hmm. scary, actually. Yeah. Are you ready? What? It's not good. Um, Okay, so women of color have a greater wage gap in 2017. So black women working full-time earned 61 cents of every dollar white non-Hispanic men earned. Mm. That means you make 60% of what someone else is doing in your job. That's That's not okay. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, we'll check this one out. Latinas work full-time earned only 53 cents for every dollar white, non-Hispanic man and earn. So I only make about 50% of it. At least you're like 10% higher than me. Uh, Really? Yeah. Wow. Crazy. (laughs) Um, Asian woman working full-time earn 85 cents for every dollar. So maybe we just picked the wrong race to (laughs) be a part of. Um, Sorry, that wasn't that funny, but you know what I mean. Um, Let's see. So leadership, it says in 2017, black and Hispanic women made up a smaller percentage of total women employed in management, business and financial operations, um, occupations than white or Asian women, women of color amongst the total U.S. employees in 2015, Hispanics, this is leadership specifically, Hispanics or Latinas, 10.5%, black women, 11.4%, Asian women, 16.3%, and white women, 16.3%. Um, I guess the reason I think this, these kind of statistics are super important to state is that there's so many people that are like, oh, we live in 2019. The world's different now. Like we all have equal rights. And I'm like, not really. Yeah. Like it's still an uphill battle. Yeah. And, um, it's so important to have these discussions and to start them. Um, but today's discussion and topic is definitely not just having, the the topic and discussions around racial discrimination but what does the bible say about these things like what did god say about you know being a unified body um and how does that look in today's world because i do believe that that god's word is timeless mm-hmm. and i think that the things he wrote 
you know, centuries ago still apply to today's world. Yeah. And um, we'll talk about, you know, your kind of story and, and some of the discrimination you faced. Um, and then we'll kind of talk about the way it should look like in the kingdom. Yeah. Um, moving forward. Yeah. Cool? Yeah. Cool. So tell me um, a little bit about, like, I guess some moments that you faced um, just from a racial discrimination perspective. Like, what was one of the memories you have being discriminated against? Whether it was you as a child, you talked about so like social sports. You also mentioned when you got to Texas State, you were opened up to a new world. Like, elaborate on that a little bit around, like, what kind of, like, I want to say scarred you, mm-hmm. but what what was, like, your first interaction with with discrimination? Yeah, so I have, I have discrimination on both sides, unfortunately, because I am mixed. So mm-hmm. I have been discriminated um, by white women and mm-hmm. black women, unfortunately. Okay. So that's just a reality. That's my um, that's my story. It leads it leaves me in a position of um, kind of lonely or not really like a safe covering or anywhere one to go run to. You know. Yeah. So I have yeah. I have a couple different things, but I think one of the earliest um, just epiphanies of like knowing like oh I'm different is uh, probably middle school. Um, and I was, I always braided my hair, like did braids mm-hmm. when, um, when it was summertime cause I could swim. It was just easier to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, I am mixed, but I have ethnic hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there are some mixed people with just like beautiful, big curls that are <laughs> yeah. like manageable. Mm-hmm. And like my sister, she's got those curls, but I have very coarse, fine, kinky hair. Um, so I would braid them. Uh, I would braid my hair over the summer. And I just remember people when it first happened, um, just, you know, my white friends just being like, oh my gosh, what, what is it? It looks like snakes or can we touch it? Or, you know, just like, um, feeling so foreign and, um, not, not like I wasn't accepted, but I was definitely different. It was not, um, I don't think it was like, a loving like oh can we touch you know um so just the way that um I don't know like that braids are black culture mm-hmm. um there are women um especially women because we've got black women have froze and we wear extensions or braids or wigs mm-hmm. or all the things we mm-hmm. we can explore a lot of things um but with women, it's, I was talking to somebody who was African American and she was telling me how on interviews she has to straighten her hair, um, when she does not straighten her hair. Um, and I, um, I naturally, like I wear my hair, like I do not wear my hair natural. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just something that I've managed to, um, comply with. I could, because braids are different, you know, um, afros are are different and I didn't like being questioned about it Mm -hmm. when I was 11 so I complied with um white America and Mm -hmm. um and straightened my hair and put in extensions and I have ever since Mm -hmm. um I don't think there's anything wrong with it but it does make me think back and and think you know it's kind of it's kind of sad that 
so many black women have to or feel like they need to conform to, you know, damaging their hair by relaxing it and straightening it and putting all these things so it could have a more um, Caucasian, straight, sleek look. Like that's that's not how my hair grows. Mm -hmm. But things like that you don't think of. Sure. Um, And (laughs) that we are discriminated by hair, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's one thing for sure. I was going to say, it's crazy. I, um, work in the HR world currently and there is a lady I follow. She actually leads one of the HR organizations here in Austin and, um, she gave a Ted talk on racial discrimination in the workplace. And her primary topic was about how black women wore their hair because so many people think it's, if you have braids, it's inappropriate. Or if you have whatever, it's inappropriate. And it's just like, it's not inappropriate just because it's not your norm doesn't mean it's not inappropriate. It's like, just because something is not familiar to us doesn't mean it's inappropriate. It's like this world's changing and people are actually for once embracing their, their identity and their, Mm -hmm. their ethnic background. And, but because other cultures, it's not, they're not used to it. They just think it's weird and, and uncustom and, um, and what's funny is, this is crazy, I remember having lunch with her, and um, her boss, who was a white gentleman, thought, is, he said it, He said something like, is that all you're going to talk about? Is just like, and she goes, it's oh, wow. so important. Yes. Like, so people, people like you need yeah. to hear these talks, because yes. it is discriminatory against who we are as black women, or, you know, Hispanic women, like, whatever, whatever, however you want to wear your hair, but it's like, I even think of it as, women are so, you know, regulated to wear makeup to work. And like, I remember not long ago, like it was like a month ago and I was just, I was tired in the morning. I wasn't Mm -hmm. feeling it, but you know what? I woke up and I went to work and I went out with no makeup and I got like pulled in the office and was like, Hey, like, I need you to, are you, are you here? Are you available? Like, are you ready to work? Because you don't look like it. And I'm like, I'm just not wearing yeah. makeup. Like, that's, that's sorry. happened to me before, where I did not have any makeup. And Isn't all, that crazy? Like, got scolded. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I have to like wear makeup to be professional, <laughs> right? Because I'm a woman, you right? Know? Right. I'm like, some of these men need to wear makeup. They're not very pretty yeah. in the morning either. <laughs> right? So, goodness gracious. But I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, that wasn't just so you guys know. Like, me and D don't like rehearse these talks. Like, before we record. So, um, that's, I think that's wildly important. So let me ask you this. So having that type of, I guess we'll say experiences, right? How did that, how did that change your mind around, um, like who you were as a person? Like, did you feel you had to embrace like being a black girl more? Did you feel like you had to at times embrace being a white girl more? Mm -hmm. Like how did that change your mind at all? So one thing I'm continuing to learn and well probably it's just going to it's the school of of life for me is that um I think I did replace or um I did fall into more white culture mm-hmm. um one because uh I I I was brought up in a white neighborhood mm-hmm. I um my dad this is so funny and 
um, looking back on it, it's so like not okay. But even my friends are like, no, your dad's really white. Like he's nerdy. <laughs> like he's got a nice house and he's got like, he's in technology. He's smart. And I'm like, do you run your stand? Like my dad's really white because he has a nice house. He's smart and he works at like, right. You know, like that's, that's what I grew up hearing. Like you're wow. not like your dad's not really black. Wow. Um, but they're, like, what they identified my dad's not really black with is it's because he's successful, right. he's smart, he has a home. Like, wait, black people can't? Like, right. no, my dad mm-hmm. is black, actually. So um, so growing up, I've, I've adapted to white culture. And um, what I'm realizing now is that that's so not, <laughs> that's not okay, yeah. you know? Like, because... Um, I don't know. There's so much of I like. I'm not familiar with a lot of black culture. I mean, mm-hmm. my um, my dad's parents are black, um, right. and their family is very like. I would say that's they, they are. They definitely are black culture. Barbecues, yeah. just right. Um, so, so not living with my grandparents and and having the childhood that I've had, I'm realizing that. I am, I don't want to say lucky, but I would not, or I don't want to even say brainwashed, but I've adapted to whiteness, um, which is not okay, you know, um, because there's privilege in that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been something that I'm discovering and learning. Um, how do you, how do I detach myself from that? Sure. Um, I know that whiteness is um, it's kind of a new buzzword that's going around, and I'm not saying that um, being white is is awful. Sure. But I think that operating in white privilege is something that is Absolutely. definitely a sin, and that's yeah. what I'm I'm <laughs> it's I'm learning about it all yeah. the time. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I'm glad you said that because I, it's funny. So I've grown up very like embraced in different, like diverse cultures. So like I've grown up with Hispanics and whites and blacks and I've dated Hispanics and whites and blacks. Like, I, I guess I just feel like I grew up like very colorblind and I think I owe that a lot to my mom. So like I'm half Mexican, half white, my mom being the Mexican side, my dad being the white side. And then after that like marriage my mom got divorced and she married a black guy so i guess i was just always like immersed into Your all these different black well one of them was okay, gotcha. and then they got a divorce okay, gotcha. <laughs> but i mean nonetheless it's like i grew up with like friends that were black and, and white and mexican and asian and indian yeah and, I was always like immersed in these cultures and I've always found it super fascinating. Mm. And so the fact that people discriminate against Indians because they think everyone's a terrorist or black people because whatever stereotype they want to put them because they're ghetto or they're whatever. Like there's so many stereotypes that people just truly believe based off of word of mouth or let's even just say one experience um, it's always kind of thrown me for a loop because it obviously shows like lack of forgiveness in mm-hmm. this world. But um, I also, it when you were talking about that, it took me back to a moment a couple years ago. I had some friends in from San Antonio and this um, 
couple like felt very strongly about just like racial discrimination going on in the world and that they like asked me they're like you know what side of your family do you side with more like are you Mexican or are you white and Mm -hmm. I was just like I'm I'm both like I'm I'm not one or the other and I was like yes I was raised by my mother so like I have a lot more like Hispanic culture embedded like I love my rice and beans and my queso and my guacamole but I don't like I don't like deny the white side of my family. Mm. Um, I was like, what is so wrong with embracing both? And I think to your point, white privilege is a sin. Yeah. But like my part of my dad's family is Greek and I love embrace. Like we used to go to a Greek festival every year. Yeah. He has like some German in him. And like, I just embrace these cultures because I think it's such a beautiful thing. But when I was like pinned up a wall, pinned up against a wall, like figuratively, obviously not like physically, but and I was, like, asked to choose. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I felt discriminated against yeah. for being biracial. Like, is yeah. that crazy that it was, It was like, pick one. Right. And I just didn't think that was, first of all, cool nor fair mm-hmm. because both of them have such an important part of who I am today and the, the science that put me together. And I just um, – it, it really sucked because, to me – it, there shouldn't have to be a choice. It's like right. we are who we are, and this is like God planned for me to be half Mexican, half white. Mm-hmm. There was no mistake in that. Yeah. And for someone to ask me to choose, yeah, I'm like, no, I know, I'm it's, good. It's being mixed. I think that people want you to fit a, a white narrative or a black narrative. Mm-hmm. They want you to fit a Mexican narrative or a yeah. white. Like they want you to fit into something that they can marginalize you in, you know, and, um, being mixed, it's, it's we're we can't Mm -hmm. like literally we are split in the middle and, um, and that's hard to, for other people to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it is, it's, it's beautiful in so many ways because it, it divorces, um, stereotypes. Absolutely. Like, it really, it truly, it truly does. And you can't take away my black lived experience and you can't take away my white lived experience. They're true to who we are and you can't put them in a box. Right. Um, which is, it's again, difficult and kind of hard for our finite brains to understand, but it's, it's a, it's a beautiful combination of, um, who God wanted us to be. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I want to talk a little bit about when, like, faced with these situations firsthand. Number one, have you faced them, right? Like, have you actually confronted someone who was being discriminatory against you? And if so, like, what did that look like for you? Um, Yeah, so I was just probably recently, two years ago, at a family reunion, um, and... uh, My husband is white and um, has white relatives. (laughs) Um, And we were talking, we were just, we were engaged. Yeah, we were engaged at this point. And um, one of his relatives came up to us and was just asking us how we met, blah, blah, blah. And um, Eric was, you know, we were just telling her the story. And uh, out of nowhere, she she goes to Eric. so what'd your parents say about about you proposing? And Eric's like, What do you mean? What do you what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, you know, about 
her being black. Wow. And he he was just like taken, like he was taken aback. And um, I just, I didn't say anything. I let Eric kind of uh, go off on that one. Yeah. It's not my family member. Um, but it was crazy because he saw it for the first time. Right. He's like, yeah. wait, what do you, like, he was like, because she's black, like, they don't, they're, they're ecstatic, you know, like, that's not a problem. And then, oh my God, she went on to like saying how, you know, she had black friends in high school, you mm-hmm. know, and whatever. But, um, I don't know, in situations like that, I think it's, that it just goes to show Obviously, there's an older generation. That's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. We are not that far away from um, from segregation, right. truly. Yeah. Um, I mean, my parents went through that. Like, my parents have a horrific story about, yeah. you know, they had to hide their relationship. Um, my grandparents disowned my mother for a period of time. Like, we're not that far away from that. Mm-hmm. And there are people, generations before us, who have not broken out of that yeah. mindset. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is pick your battles. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times where you obviously uh, stand up and fight for justice. Absolutely. Um, that situation, I didn't feel, you know, I needed to go off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there have definitely been times where I've stood up or, you know, people make remarks about, you know, gas, t- t- you know, people working at gas um, stations or, mm-hmm. um, or even like there's, there's definitely people that I've talked to in conversation where they're unknowingly discriminating mm-hmm. against just like not even understanding. Like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. so, you know, like, oh, doctors being a different race or always being a different race mm-hmm. or, um, some types of races don't know how to drive, you know, mm-hmm. like just yeah. like it's such a, nor- a cultural norm for us to put those stereotypes on it. And right. I think it's a lot of unlearning and addressing those things That's when good. they do come up. So there are sometimes um, that I'll correct in conversation. And then there's sometimes where I will let things go. Sure. Um, yeah, it's. I try, I try not to be get online, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. get on um, get on Facebook in the comments, and I I don't wow. I'm not very active there. Sure, but um, yeah. So I think that's crazy, crazy, crazy powerful what you said though, because I can recall from my earliest stages in life, like I've always been. I wouldn't say argumentative, but I just like to debate a lot of things. Yeah. My mom says I would always be a really good lawyer because I mm-hmm. argue with her about everything. And she always used to tell me, baby, just pick your battles. Like, you don't have to argue about everything. And I was like, no, mom, i got to argue about everything. And I think the power in those words is is so impactful for this conversation because it's like there are some things that people probably do unconsciously mm-hmm. and – I don't want to say innocently, but it's kind of, you know, where they come from and the generation that they belong to. And you're right. There's, there's not a good excuse for them. It's time that we start overcoming those things and and breaking those barriers. Um, but if they're not doing it in, in hurt, it's okay to politely correct people. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and correct them in love, you know, of, of most things. Um, and then there are some things that are done out of hurt, out of hate, out of, whatever it may be. And 
I think those are the moments that you stand up and say like, Hey, like that's, that's not okay. And you know, and, and obviously you want to always do things, um, you know, politely and you want to be a respectful person and you want to just like address them in truth, I think is the most important part and in love, but address them. Don't, don't let them fall by the wayside. Cause I think by letting them fall by the wayside, we create, you know, um, walls in our heart that keep us from loving other people of that color, of that situation, of that ethnic background, whatever it may be of that culture. And then it's for like those walls just build brick by brick Mm -hmm. and every offense that you've taken, it builds that wall and then you can never receive love or advice or have a good coworker of that race because it's just, you've constantly taken offense to it. And I think to your point, like the more we address it, like one of my biggest rules in life is like, if I have an issue, I'm going to sleep on it for 24 hours. And if it's still an issue 24 hours later, like I'm going to address it because it's important that the offense that I've taken, like, is it just me being petty Mm -hmm. or is it me being like offended and it needs to be talked about? Yeah. Right. Um, But I think to your point, like if it's just me being petty, like sweep it under the rug, go to sleep and it's a new day the next morning. Right. Like it's okay. Yeah. Um, Because all of us have our seasons of offense and our moments of offense, especially when it comes to topics like this that just are a little bit more personal. Um, So it's funny you say that because I've heard this word before and I actually, I'll just tell you in my opinion, I like debunk it 100% because I don't think it's a real word, but... um, Someone told me once that this was the story I'm about to, about to tell you is reverse discrimination, which I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because that would be like love. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this story is not about love. So, um, but I was dating this guy in college and he was this black guy. We'd been dating for a few years at this point. We dated for like three out of the four years I was in college. And um, his mom was never, his mom, his, his full black because mm-hmm. both his parents were black. And um, his mom was never a fan of him dating outside of his race. And he, um, I remember probably one of the hardest things ever to hear was, um, he was on the phone with his mom and he was, had like a habit of always putting her on speakerphone Mm -hmm. and like, we'd always be together. Right. So like I would hear their conversations and not like anything personal family wise, but he asked, she asked him one time, she's like, are you still with that girl? Has she taken advantage of you and trapped you yet? And I like, like, wow. <laughs> I even saying that out loud right now, like my body almost kind of like falls numb a little bit. Cause it's like to think like if I was white, would it have been different? Or if I was black, would it have been different? But because I was a, a Spanish girl dating this black guy, like she, he literally told me, he's like, she thinks that you're just going to like, I mean, I was definitely living in sin. Like, I'm not going to lie mm-hmm. about that at this point. But like, you know, we were having sex and like, she's like, she just thinks you're going to try to get pregnant and like keep me and trap me. And I was like, like, that's the stereotype she had of Hispanic women. Wow. And, um, you know, at that time I was all of 22 and I knew everything. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to talk to your mom and I'm going to confront her. And in fact, the matter is I never did because I don't think it was my battle to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to win. It wasn't my battle to discuss like that. Those issues about, women of my culture are something that I didn't offend her. It was mm. something that happened years ago. Yeah. And those are deep rooted issues that, I mean, she's going to have to heal on her own from that, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think to your point about picking battles, like not everything is for us to uproot. 
yeah and and resolve and help people heal like some of those things they just need to like heal on their own mm-hmm. and, and figure it out on their own and um not that we're just like here to leave people stranded but some of those things aren't our fault right and we have to understand that too yeah that's so. crazy because something that doesn't really get a lot of light is that um different races like we all discriminate in in one way or another sure um i don't think like i mean i think black women can discriminate against mm-hmm. white women which they do all the time mm-hmm. i've heard stories of yeah. black women getting um very upset uh and vocal mm-hmm. to white women who marry black women men yeah. um that is wrong <laughs> um yeah. my mom married a black man um i think the heart behind that is you know what i've heard is they feel like they're stealing their their men <laughs> i've heard that one um, before yeah like the white women is superior uh-huh. and um and where she might be definitely the white woman definitely has more privilege of sure um just because she was born white um does not always mean that they're stealing <laughs> yeah you know a, a, a race from mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. um that is highly offensive to me being being a mixed person yeah um so there's demis- uh, there's there's that t- type of discrimination um i think uh there's tiers of things i have i, I i'm in a multicultural church and diversity is a hallmark of um who we are it's a fingerprint of our church and it is um it's sad to hear that the asian community the hispanic community um you know middle eastern community does not feel like they have a seat at the table Mm -hmm. with race because um because you know the black narrative is is overpowering Mm -hmm. and they feel left out they they have they are discriminated against in different levels um i think that black people can discriminate against like like a tier like like some like it's white black Mm -hmm. then the asians then the you know whatever like i feel like there there can be a lot of that yeah um i mean this is this is what i think yeah (laughs) Um, I've definitely heard from, you know, Hispanic Asians sure. that they feel that way 100%. Yeah. Like, they're not invited to discuss yeah. in this topic of race because they're not as dark. Sure. Or they're not black. Right. Um, mm. So, yeah, discrimination is multifaceted. It's layered. It's, I mean, yeah. it's sin, right? It and is. so many avenues where no one's... No, literally no one, whether you are um, black, white, you're not, I mean, we, we all do it in some type of way. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, that's that's something that I I, I have to think about in, in that type of, like, with my church. and. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you talk about how the black narrative overpowers at times and, um you know, you talk about these movements like Black Lives Matter, which it's important. It's important that people know that the things happening, and I'm by no meaning, by no means downplaying all the race and discrimination and the shootings and the killings, like 
that stuff is horrible. Like it breaks 100%. my heart. Yeah. Um, and black lives do matter. Yeah. But so does everybody else's life. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, I was telling you before this podcast, it's like these movements that happen, they're important, but they bring unity among a race and not among people. And that also breaks my heart because if we were to truly embrace each other's culture and support one another and rise people up, no matter what they look like, what culture they come from, what shape, size, hair color, fake hair, real hair, it doesn't matter. Like if we were just to rise each other up, like first of all, this world would be a hell of a whole lot better. Yeah. I think there would be a hell of a whole lot like less deaths, shootings, killing, racial discrimination. Um, and I really think that more people would understand that like, like there is such thing as unity and peace if we just make an effort towards that mm-hmm. versus the, the division of our world and our races and our genders and our whatever. The, the list goes on and on. Like there's so, I think the hardest thing for me to face, like that challenges my faith every day is there's so much division. And I'm just like, guys, it's okay. Yeah. Like one of my friends, we were talking about like a promotion at work and she, I mean, she was a white woman, but she got overlooked by a white guy and she was really struggling with it. And one of the things she told me is like, she was really kind of like into this, like, um, what is it called? Like meditation of how does she overcome this? And she just told me, she's like, there's enough room at the top. Mm-hmm. And it's always sort of stuck with me because I believe that like, color, gender, whatever you are, whatever economic status you, if you have a dollar in the bank or $10,000 million, that's not even a real number, 10,000 million. I just couldn't. You can have 10,000 millions. Of millions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can have 10,000, one million, a million dollars. Okay. Thanks for making me feel better. Um, Like, I don't care how much money you have in the bank, but like, like, we can all still be friends, and it's still going to be okay. Yeah. And there is enough room at the top for us all. Like, I want to talk um, – I have some scriptures that I want to share really quick, and then we'll kind of tie a bow on this bad boy. Um, but I was looking up some scriptures that just kind of, like, help create some unity. Um, and like I said, I, I really do think the Bible's timeless, and I think the gospel is um, – applies just as much as it did then and as it does today. And let's see, I am looking at, where am I? Um, Ephesians 2, 4 through 18. 14, sorry, through 18, my bad. Um, and let's see, do I want to read that version? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like this one. Okay, so I'm reading um, the Passion Translation. So it says, our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice and separated us and has now made us equal through union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. Um, And when I read that, I've read like every version of this and that's probably my favorite so far. 
because um, it talks about the prejudice, right? It talks about the ethnic hatred. And I think the fact of the matter is, is like, right, we didn't have TV and social media back in those days, but like that happened then too. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And way more critical than in the way it's happening now. I mean, um, but, but like God saw that mm-hmm. and he addressed it. Yeah. And it's just, those words are just as relevant as they were then as they are today. And, um, for sure. I mean, in the early church, we saw racism within, I mean, Peter in Acts 10 was, uh, not okay with Gentiles, you know, being Mm -hmm. a part of it, of this new gospel movement. And he was called out. Um, I mean, we, like Moses married a black woman and his brother-in-law and sister-in-law did not. Uh, did not approve of it and they got you know God took care of that Um, so no this is there's nothing new under the sun and this has been happening with our founding fathers of the church you know like 180 (laughs) literally yeah it already started and here we are still dealing with it yeah so I feel like how I sort of want to wrap this up a little bit is Um, I first want to like encourage some people, but I also want to talk a little bit about, I think so often, um, this ministry and specifically podcasts, like episodes like this get kind of put into the bucket of like this me too movement. And, um, I was talking to Dee before the episode and it's like, I believe like the me too movement has created a huge impact for women to be healed to women, for women to be released from bondage and just like old wounds that have been buried for years and years of abuse and it's created a lot of great conversation um the gender pay gap conversation has arose from it and i think it's done some great things um i still think in some point and this is just purely my opinion this is not a, from a website this is just my opinion i think it's also done a disservice to the unity of of, of mankind um because it's created this division between now men and women to an extent, even though the whole idea is to create equality. Right. Um, and although good things have come from it, so is a lot of like chaos and disorder. Um, and we all know that chaos and disorder is not of God. So um, I just want to encourage you all that are listening that like unity among women of color, no matter what color you are, if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're Indian, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, and if I missed your race, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But like unity among us is very important. But unity among mankind and treating um, men as equals as well, like it's it's okay. And it's not demeaning to us to like play on the same playing field as them. And um, there's men that support us in, in rising us up too. Mm-hmm. Um, all women of all color, mm-hmm. no matter what. And um, I just want to kind of embrace like what that scripture specifically is like the Lord has our back and no matter what we're facing, whether it's um, a discrimination, a situation, a relationship, like he, he's, he's taking care of it all. And um, I just think that there's, power in supporting one another versus trying to tear each other down while all of us are just trying to get somewhere. 
Um, it took me a really long time to get to that point. I was like kind of. Oh, yeah. I, went, no. I took the scenic <laughs> route. That's what we tell my aunt. That's We're like, land the, land the plane, girl. But I like. <laughs> I like that. Um, so I just, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I just think it's so important that I feel so many women in today's world, like we always see each other as competition. And I really don't think men think that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why yeah. so many men are success, successful is that. They all just are like following their own path, sometimes unconsciously. Like they're just like going blindly. Mm-hmm. And women like us, we overthink a lot. I say women like us, just women. We just overthink a lot and we always see everything as like a threat or a competition. The fact of the matter is, is we're not. Like we're all just trying to run our own race mm-hmm. and do it well. And there's nothing wrong with us running similar races, yeah. you know? Like I had a friend tell me once, she was like, I really want to start a podcast, but. I was scared because I thought you feel like I was trying to like rain on your parade. I'm like, no, like, do you know how many women have podcasts? Like, it's okay. Like just join the gang. Like it's fine, but, but do it and like, but do it because you want to do it, not do it because it's a competition. Like do it because that's what you love. And if it happens to be the same thing, then like, let's help each other out. Yeah. That's good. So anything you want to add to that? I don't know. Um, I would just say that if you are listening and um, you do not have diversity or um, a variety of women in your life that don't look like you. Um, in order to unite, you have mm-hmm. to unite, right? Mm-hmm. Like unity is not uniformity. So wow. if the people around you all look the same, um, you are not automatically discriminating, but you are, you're not allowing yourself to um, learn from your sisters, yeah. um, their lived experiences, and it's really harming you if, yeah. you. if all the friends that you have and all the people you go to and your mentors or the people, you know, behind you look like you, um, that's not unity. That is yeah. uniformity, which uh, does not let you grow in yeah. a lot of different ways. So I would encourage you to reach out to women of different colors, ages, backgrounds, nationalities, and have conversations and yeah. see how you can champion them and ask their story. Yeah. And what what is it like to operate in a world with with your skin yeah that's Um, good one thing that i i it's it's just hard to think about is um white women never have to wake up and think about their skin color Mm. you know that's not that's not something that they have to worry about like walking to your car at night (laughs) in a neighborhood and somebody call the police you know yeah so I think in order to break stereotypes and to dismantle discrimination, we have to reach out to those of us around us who don't look like us. So um, one way to unite is to actually reach out to those who who are not like you. Absolutely. And and, I don't know, learn. Learn. That's good. I know one of my favorite things that I've learned from my pastor, we have also a very diverse church. and like when he says it, he, it, it's kind of like an aha moment for me, but he was like, y'all heaven looks like this. Mm-hmm. Like we have people from Africa, 
we have African Americans from the U.S. We have Asians. We have whites. We have blacks. We have Hispanics. All I mean, you name it. Like, there's just about every race, shape, size, color in our church. And when I look around, like, it's this like very beautiful thing because if you don't currently have a diverse group of people you surround yourself with, you're in for a big surprise when you get to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like people that speak differently than you, yeah. people that look a lot different. And I, I just, I like, I can't wait till that moment happens. And it's just like, man, like God touched the world. Yeah. Yeah. Not like the U.S. or not Texas or not Austin, but like the world. And I know. So Isn't that crazy? It's crazy to think about. I know. So, um, well, thank you, Dee. You're the best. That was an awesome topic to discuss with you. So I appreciate it. Um, we hope this message encourages you guys. If it's a little convicting, that's a good thing. Um, a friend reminded me today that conviction comes from the Holy Spirit, and um, it's to serve as correction and um, if you ever want to feel convicted, it's better to be done by the Holy Spirit than a person. So yeah. praise Jesus for that. Yeah. But um, we hope you guys enjoyed this. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>